the biggest learning for me was that every single person learns in a different way. Um, every, everything, every single person's got a different personality and every single person um, has to have feedback delivered in a slightly different way as well because, you know, people's brains work differently. And it, and it- You're listening to Art Heroes Podcast, the show to help you thrive as a digital artist. Tune in to learn how to transform your passion into a career. Get inspired by other kick-ass 2D and 3D artists and find out what it takes to be an art hero. Hello, guys, and welcome to the Art Heroes Podcast. My name is Maria JD. I'm your host, and I'm here bringing all the industry experts and insiders to help you understand and navigate the world of digital art, uh, would that be video games, VFX, or uh, anything around and in between. And so today we've got Stu Bailey. Stu Bailey is an art director and a director at Real Time UK. It's actually one of my favorite studios. They're really uh, small, but they produce great cinematics and uh, should definitely know about them as well. So I'm really excited about talking to Stu. I've got a bunch of questions, starting from hiring in the studios to working uh, as an art director. So let's see what Stu has to say. All right, we're now recording. Stu, thank you so much for coming on the show. Really appreciate you being on the Art Heroes podcast. Hi. Hi. Yeah, no, it's a pleasure. Uh, look forward to chatting to you. Yeah, Good. awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got tons of questions, actually, because, uh, you know, it's not that frequent that I have uh, an art director and a director of a, you know, like major production studio on the show. Yep. So I'm really excited. Cool. Hopefully I've got some interesting things to say. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, Stu, um, like, I know you're running Real Time UK and uh, you've been um, basically on it for ages. I don't know for how long, actually. Ne- like, nearly 10 what? years now. Ne- Jesus yeah. Christ. Nearly, nearly, yeah. <laughs> so can we start with your story, actually? Like, what, like how did the whole thing start, uh, start and uh, uh, what came first? Yeah, sure. I mean, I'll give you a, a brief kind of backstory yeah. of, of my yeah, yeah. art education I, I would say um so kind of started off in college uh, studying um art and design which was for me uh, looking back on it now was a really good time in my life because it was such a broad uh, a broad syllabus so we studied fine art we studied sculpture uh, textile design fashion design so kind of looking back on it now i feel like that was kind of the foundation for becoming an art director without even knowing it because it was such a broad spectrum of of study um and i just found myself kind of loving loving everything not, you know not one particular thing which is kind of the trait of an art director i think someone that's kind of got the fingers in lots of different influences yeah definitely um so yeah so that was like a two-year course that um was straight from high school and then i i kind of specialized in illustration at university um animation and illustration um which was cool um it, it's a funny thing university uh you're at, you, you know you're at that kind of age where going out a lot and, and partying is just as important as studying. So it was kind of one of those times in my life where uh, I didn't feel like I progressed that much as an artist really compared to college. Um, probably technically I got, I got a little bit more proficient, but um, I kind of felt like I lost my focus a little bit at that point. Um, so I kind of finished in university um, doing illustration and it was, it, it was a period in time where illustration was kind of dying away a little bit. Um, okay. so I, was, I was doing work for magazines, 
editorial illustrations to go along with articles. Um, and then eventually ended up being a fashion illustrator, weirdly enough. So uh, I was working with a fashion house doing, uh, doing marketing imagery, fashion, fashion illustration for What's that fashion illustration? Um, yeah, it was, it was kind of a weird, a weird one, really. So the, the, this, this uh, brand in London that I worked with uh, essentially would kind of um, get me to draw figures for them. Um, and then we'd, I'd, I'd kind of Photoshop the clothing onto the figures. So you had an illustrated person you know, pencil sketch or whatever. And then with a photo, photographic dress or, you know, kind of jeans and, and cool okay. top they, they designed. So it's a mix between illustration and fashion. So it's, it's quite a cool concept. And, you know, I kind of worked with those guys for, for a year or so. But ultimately, it was, it, it was kind of an industry that was really difficult to kind of find con- consistent work in, in the illustration world. Um, so I kind of did a bit of research at the time. And I just, you know, it was the early days of kind of concept art being well known. You know, there, there weren't any big schools, uh, you know, on all this kind of thing that there is at the moment. You know, there was nothing, nothing online, really. And the only thing that was out there that I, that I found was, was Norman. You know, okay. Feng, Feng Zhu, Scott Robinson, all the, you know, all the, all the old school guys, probably for the, for the younger audience. Um, and I was just, oh, my God, this is amazing. You know, this, this is just like the best thing ever. I can't, you know, imagine getting, <laughs> having a job, you know, drawing we- weapons and environments and, and characters for, for feature films and for, for games or whatever it, whatever it would be. So I just immediately purchased as many of these dvds as possible because i mean I, I had a fundamental knowledge of design and artistry anyway but it's kind of a different thing um you know designing specifically for for a script or for you know for, for narrative um so yeah and i started studying away um and and, and landed a job at a game studio in in manchester i'm, I'm from preston originally and manchester's about 30 miles from right from, from where i live in the north of england um and I got my foot in the door um, at a game studio doing some character design work. For like really... concept originally? Yeah, yeah, concept design. So it's kind of like a Grand Theft Auto style pool game. It, you know, terrible, rubbish. You know, <laughs> probably my designs are rubbish as well. Um, but I got my foot in the door. Um, yeah, and that was the start of it really. And then I worked, worked my way up at that company, um, you know, to, to, to being a, one of the main concept artists there. Um, and then from there, I moved on to another game studio in Manchester called Dark Energy Digital, which isn't around anymore. But that was an amazing time from, um, from an educational point of view. And I ended up working with a team of three other guys in a studio, um, all of us just doing concept art from nine till five every day, all pushing each other, you know. And the guys that I work with now have all ended up being top guys in, in, in the industry. Uh, my friend John, John McCoy, who's one of the best concept artist you know out there at the moment working for ILM worked on all the Star Wars films mm-hmm. um my other friend Stephen Molyneux um who went to NBC um as a texture artist got to you know the the top of the game there as well now now he's changed his career into being a character freelance character artist and he's again just absolutely amazing at what he does um and then the other fellow I was with was uh, Pete Amakri who's known online as some pudding I think he's just you know got a beautiful uh, style to his work very painfully. So I was just fortunate to be in, and I ended up in a room with like three awesome artists who we pushed each other for like three or four years. Um, wow. Constantly learning, constantly being bettered by the next guy across from you. Uh, you know, new techniques and all this kind of stuff. So I just feel so fortunate that that was something that happened to me. You know, uh, I think if it hadn't, I probably wouldn't have been where I am now because of those guys. Uh, we're still in contact. Uh, you know, we're best friends on what, you know, we kind of we're in contact all the time. So yeah. That, uh, and, and from there I kind of 
started freelancing for real time, um, doing bits on the side. So I was working like 24 hours a day, I was doing my job during the day. Um, I had a friend at real time who asked me to do some freelance work and I was working all the, and I, was, I killed myself about two months, basically. I got to the point where I was <laughs> yeah. like, a zo- like a zombie. Um, I'm really familiar with stories yeah, like that. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I couldn't do it now. I mean, at the time, you know, being in my, in my early 20s, I, I, could, I could do all-nighters and go to work next day and things like that, but I just could not do that now. Um, I try, but it, it takes about three days to recover when I do. Yeah, um, same. So, so, yeah, so then... Uh, yeah, real time just asked me to come on full time. Um, so I was a kind of concept artist and map painter. That was, I think it was about nine years ago. I think I'm coming up to my 10th year soon. Um, and within a couple of years there, I think I'd, I think it was about two years, I went my way up to kind of being art director, which at the time I was like, I've got no idea how to art direct. You know, yeah. it's, kind of, it's like you, you, you kind of move up to that, to that situation. And I think being an art director is probably different in every line of work. I think a film art director, a games art director, a cinematic game art director, the, top, the, you know, the, the, the different things, there's a, there's a consistency with you pushing the quality of the visual fidelity. But apart from that, there's so many differences or nuances uh, between them. And I was just kind of researching, it's like, you know, I kind of know what I need to do. I know, I know it's my job to make things look better and kind of work with the team, but there's so many other things that I wasn't prepared for. Um, I was still quite young at the time when I got made art director. So, you know, all the management side of things, dealing with people, how to get the best out of people, all of these things that nobody tells you. Because, you know, I was like, oh my God, it was all this, all this scary, scary stuff. Um, so, yeah, and then uh, about two years ago, maybe just a little bit more, I started to kind of actually direct shows as well. Um, I think I've done about five or six cinematics now um, where I've been art directing and directing. I think the two go hand in hand in, in my line of work anyway. Um, and it's, yeah, it's, it's amazing. I absolutely love it. You know, it's, just, it's been a, a real journey and a real natural progression to get to where I am now. But yeah, in a nutshell. Yeah, I see. I mean, like, um, this, is, this is really amazing how all things kind of, you know, folded together and, uh, uh, and worked out. Um, so I wanted, you know, to, to follow up a little bit on what you just said, that uh, as an artist, you didn't expect all the things that came with an art directing position. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, <laughs> what, like, can you briefly just, uh, well, briefly explain 10 years of your life? <laughs> no, we've just done that. No, yeah. so like, briefly explain what are, like, you know, major let's say differences and what the art director, at least in your line of work mm-hmm. does. So you're mostly in charge of cinematics or yeah. is there something else? Yeah. yeah it's mainly, I mean, I know real time you came for cinematics. I've seen like yeah, everything you guys worked well, on for the past we, like, two we, years, we do, years. We do a lot of things at real time. Yeah. We've got three main branches to the, to the studio. So we've got the, the automotive team, um, which, work with the biggest clients around the world, you know, Aston Martin, uh, Volkswagen, McLaren. So they produce like super, super high end photorealistic, you know, kind of marketing imagery. Okay. So I kind of get involved in that a little bit from time to time, but that isn't, that isn't really kind of, um, where I'm used mainly, but my, my main remit is, is across cinematics. So that's either, either in engine, um, or pre-rendered, uh, and also TV as well. So we kind of moved into TV a few years ago. So I'm involved in the, in the TV art direction side of things as well. Um, so yeah, I mean, to answer your kind of question about the learnings of becoming an art director. Yeah. Uh, yeah, like I say, it's, you know, 
it's it's easy for one person to to kind of better themselves and train and and and, and improve themselves but when you're responsible for kind of other people um you almost kind of have to put a different hat on um and the biggest the biggest learning for me was that every single person learns in a different way um every everything every single person's got a different personality and every single person um has to have feedback delivered in a slightly different way as well because you know people's brains work differently and it takes time to learn how different people tick um and about how to approach different people some people you can be much more upfront and blunt let's say you know that's not looking right at the moment x y and z you know and other people you have to be a little bit more tactical and say that yeah there's some really great elements to this um, <laughs> but maybe if we did this so you know it, it's about how to approach people you know because it's about motivation is, is i find is the main thing you know it's 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 keeping it's being honest with people and knowing that that when you and having integrity about what you do so mm-hmm. people know that when you do give feedback it's for the right reasons it's not e- egotistical reasons and it's not for you know because i'm this you know you've seen all the memes and you know, art directors standing over people's shoulder asking for pixels to go five percent one way five percent the other way it's like that happens you know every now and again you do have to do that you know you have to say like can you just like put down 50 percent? it's like it's a joke in the studio that, that i say that all the time but <laughs> But, you know, <laughs> but yeah, it's just kind of learning to approach people and they know that when you're giving them the feedback, you're giving it in an honest, open way. You're, you're accepting their criticism and you listen to their criticism um, of, of what you're saying. And sometimes they're right, you know, and it's, it's being willing, willing to be wrong as well. I think when I first started, I probably had a, I was too brash and I was like, yes, it must be this way because I'm the art director now and X, Y and Z. And you learn quickly that like, you don't get anything out of people doing that. You know, you, you just get a wall put up against you of resistance and it's about, you know, kind of communicating with people and just learning how to deal with individuals. That was such a, such a journey. And it's, t- you know, I'm not saying I've, I've reached the end of that journey even. Um, but yeah. it, it, as soon as I realized that everything changed, as soon as I realized that I can't just have a, you know, a one way of, one way of working it has to be catered mm-hmm. to specific individuals. So how much art is there in your personal, like in your day? Like, do you actually get to create something with your own hands or is it mostly about like training your eye and, uh, and you know, like uh, making basically the other like artists uh, kind of align with what needs to be done? Um, a bit of both. Yeah. I mean, I, oh, yeah, okay. I think it's really, really important to keep your hand in. I don't think you can really be an art director if you can't produce decent artwork. You know, I think in order to kind of criticize or have an opinion, a valid opinion, you need to actually, you know, keep your hand in doing the artwork. So I'd say in a week, I'd probably have a couple of days a week where I'm actually doing artwork. I mean, most of my stuff now, because I'm into doing more of direction, is more storyboarding and animatic. Um, you know, kind of artwork. So it's more hand-drawn, sketchy stuff, which I love, you know, um, which is quicker and, 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 you know, kind of fun to do. But yeah, I mean, you know, with TV especially, we do a lot of pitch work. We have to kind of try and win jobs from, from other clients, especially because we're just starting to get into that kind of work. So, you know, we have to put really, really elaborate documents together where I'll be generating a lot of imagery, whether it's uh, vehicle design, creature design, um, environment design. Um, got another in-house artist as well, 
um, who works with me, Ivan, who's an absolutely amazing concept artist. Um, his environment work is, is absolutely stunning, just blows me out of the park. So I keep to the, keep to the environments and the, uh, sorry, keep to the creatures and vehicles. Um, so yes, we put, we put, you know, we, we do a lot of work. I do a lot of work um, still, you know, hands-on kind of thing. Uh, and then the other half of it is, is um, you know, being sent things from the guys as well, working progresses and giving right. feedback. Um, and I think the main thing is my job is just to keep an eye on the client's vision um, and what the client, sometimes it's kind of what they don't say, but you know what, the tr- what they're trying to say. What they actually say. mean, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's like this weird thing and they go around the house, this big description, I go, I kind of get what you mean. Just let, <laughs> let, me, go, let me go away and come back. Uh, so just, guys, and it's almost like, Half of my job is trans- translating double Dutch into something that's right. That's I see. <laughs> there is something that you mentioned, like in the very beginning of our conversation, and it's I think it was visual fidelity. Yeah. Can you explain what that actually means for you and uh, how that applies to what you do? Yeah, I think visual fidelity is kind of, you know, like kind of some. Stu- it's a DNA of our studio. It's something that's kind of we all know that visual fidelity is always the goal. It's always the thing that we reach for, strive for. Um, and it's the, it's, one, it's the one thing that we can't compromise on, you know, is the visual fidelity. So it, it applies to anything really. Um, it, it, it's, it's that kind, it's that last, I mean, everybody talks about this, so it's nothing new, but it's that last 15% that okay. is like the killer where you're all stood around scratching heads going, oh, but something's just not quite right. Uh, and the, the visual fidelity thing comes down to that. I think one of the, like the biggest example I can give you from, from our personal work or from the work that we've done recently is the Game of Thrones trailer where we had no scan data for these, you know, for these celebrities and these, these, these actors that are, you know, these characters that are possibly at the time the, the most well-known in, in the world. Uh, it was the biggest TV show in the world at the time. So we're doing a, you know, the, the cinematic trailer for it. We didn't have any scan data. We just had photographic reference. Um, and you know, we got to the point where the character they looked good, but they didn't look great. Uh, and it took rounds and rounds and rounds of interrogation, of feedback, of scrutiny, you know, of of taking two steps back to take a step forward. Um, and visual fidelity, it, it's just that it's 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 not it's not settling for something. It's it's stopping and going. Okay, could it could it be better? Asking that question, could this be better? And if it can be better, then you have to try and figure out how. And it's never an obvious answer. It's always just a lot of people getting their heads together and pushing it. And until you see it, you can't even realize what that could be. Mm-hmm. Um, but visual fidelity is just basically blood, sweat, and tears. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Well, not that last part, but like, yeah. <laughs> but like the concept, which actually brings me, you know, like to to the to the next thing that I was uh, really curious about. Um, so um, most artists think at least like beginner artists that uh, you learn a lot of the skills before you get a job. Mm-hmm. So uh, now that you've been in the industry for decades, um, how do you see the whole process of learning on the job? Like, and uh, all the folks that work with uh, Real Time UK, um, what's the ongoing training process like? Do you see that in general mm-hmm. artists that are already in the studios, do, do, do you see there is the need to like do the, you know, upgrades and improvements? Because like, for example, you know, like the Game of Thrones character is a pretty vivid example. It's a teamwork, but eventually mm-hmm. it's a quality, quality push. 
Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, it's a difficult one. I'm, I'm glad I got into the industry when I did because the quality these days is so good. You know, in general, the, 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 the training out there is amazing um, and there are lots and lots of talented people um, coming through the ranks. I think from a training point of view, uh, yeah, I mean, I think getting in the door is, is, is one thing, but uh, it's not necessarily, you wouldn't necessarily expect to be doing the thing that you want to be doing at first. Okay. So there's always going to be that level of, of kind of retraining from that perspective because say you're a character artist, you know, you're doing, you're doing great work, but there's always going to be established great artists within a studio as well. And you have to kind of maybe at first be doing another task, okay. um, you know, to kind of get your way to, to, to be doing the top, top work that you want to be doing. It could be props at first. It could be horses or, or animals rather than the actual, you know, the hero characters that you want to do. So I think there's always going to be that journey for anyone that starts at a studio. I, I wouldn't, it'd be very rare to walk into a studio and, and, and be instantly be doing the type of work you want to be doing. So okay. I think that comes down to just being open to, to take on whatever challenge you're given, um, yeah. you know, with the knowledge that you've got the sustainability within yourself to, to stick out these tasks and to work your way up to be getting, you know, to the, the projects and the jobs that you want to be working on. So yeah, yeah that, that's kind of the process really. I think in real time, you, you know, you'll, you'll come in and work on it. One, one thing I will say about, a studio of our size because we're only like 50 people you know it's not a massive studio by any means compared to some of the big guns out there you know like you've got your blur studios or your axis and all this kind of thing there are hundreds and hundreds of people um we scale up but the core team is only about 50 people um so young artists that do come and work with us do probably get much more responsibility than they would do at a lot of other places and a lot, lot more pressure put on them um so you kind of we're kind of one of those studios where you either sink or swim <laughs> you know there's, there's it's like there's nowhere to hide there's no kind of you know departments to hide behind it's kind of everyone has to kind of step up and, and really kind of show the worth um so personally at real time yeah i think there'll, there'll be a very good steep learning curve yeah. <laughs> yeah so how frequently do you guys uh, make any changes in the pipeline or like uh, um you know use new tools or new software because you know, like in as an outsider, we always hear like this is the new thing or that is a new thing. You must learn Blender. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so talk to me about like Blender <clears throat> and other like new big things. Uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> from, yeah, from from personal experience, Blender for me is awesome because okay. because I love to do animatics, storyboards, grease pencil. 2D slash 3D animatics for me is a revolution that I'm going through right now, kind of learning wise, um, because I used to do everything in 3D, um, in, in 3DS Max. You know, I'm an artist at heart. I don't want to be moving, I don't want to be moving 3D models around, posing them and all the rest of it. You know, I want to be drawing, yeah. moving, <laughs> moving images. So for me, it's like, wow, this is like, this is the revolution. I'll, this is the thing I've been craving for for years. Um, I think from a, from a pipeline point of view, for us, Blender isn't quite ready yet with some of the, you know, kind of processes that we need to get from it. Although we're keeping our eye on it and, it, and it's very, very exciting. What I will say is that the revolution is coming from Unreal Engine, personally. Okay. Um, both in, both in the client's need, um, because the, you know, there's a new, there's a new taste from, from the customer, from the consumer, from the players of games, to, to have content created in the, in a game engine. Um, right. you know, pre-rendered 
it's, it's got its place uh, and it's amazing. It, 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 it still is the best fidelity. It still is, you know, the, the pre-rendered cinematics are where my heart lies and I, I absolutely adore them. But there's more and more call for Unreal, um, you know, to, to be producing these things in Unreal Engine um, because they want to be using the, the assets that are going to be used in the game. They want to use the technology that's going to be used in the game, albeit, right. ele albeit elevated to, uh, you know, we, you know, we don't have to run it real time in order to render something in Unreal Engine. We can still render a frame a second, you know, and, 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 have, the, and have the quality much, much higher than, than you could have in uh, a real time, you know, kind right. of scenario. But that's been the big revolution for me over the past six months. It's just blown up. I think it was a lot of it was to do with like the, you know, Unreal 5 demo that came out not so long ago, just showing the potential. Mm -hmm. um, and it's like, you need to get on this, you need to get on board it now because this thing is it's gonna it's gonna be really really prevalent in the industry yeah and so in general like uh, is it um is it frequent that you uh add a new tool or a new software to the pipeline of the studio how does it work actually this like uh yeah, yeah. that ever happens it, it's happened a few times you know the the, the obvious one when zbrush came out everyone was oh, like yeah. well this is like revolution um, I think Substance Painter was the last one. Uh, obviously, Mari and then Substance Painter was the last one that um, has, has totally revolutionized the way we work. It's just one of those things that the quicker you can get to a result, the better, because it means you can have more iterations. So yeah. that was the impact of ZBrush. You know, the sculpt inside of it just sped up things so much. Um, Mari was a revolution in terms of quality. Um, you know, but the speed, it didn't kind of speed things up that much. But when Substance came, came through, you know, just being able to kind of save out all your presets for the materials. So you've got a really good starting point for the next project, have libraries of, you know, kind of Substance Alchemist, all these kind of things that have, it, they, you know, they get you to 70% almost instantly in terms of like, you know, you can put something on it and it can look pretty decent, especially for like mid ground or background. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, as soon as, you know, as soon as something comes out, our guys are on it like straight away, straight okay. away, you know, and we're testing it internally. Um, and normally kind of the natural way things happen. I wouldn't say we've got, we haven't got an R and D team per se, Yeah. but what will normally happen someone will just do something awesome in it. <laughs> and everyone will be like, yeah, we're using this now. <laughs> Let's just figure out a way to kind of get this into the pipeline. Uh, and it's normally fairly simple to get it into the pipeline. Um, you know, it only takes, it takes a project to kind of figure out all the, all the, the nuances that we need to, to get it to work. So I, I, it happens quite regularly, you know. We, we check out everything, that every new piece of software that comes out and some of them just stick because, they, you know, they just, they just uh, speed up the process so much. Yeah. So for, from your perspective, again, like, you know, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm probably thinking of uh, uh, beginner artists that are, or juniors, not necessarily the complete beginners, right? Um, yeah. Who are entering the industry? What do you would you consider like golden standard that an artist, uh, like a three D artist, must know uh, to get a job? Like you know, let's well, ZBrush, I guess, is a given. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what comes uh, What comes with it? Yeah, I mean, again, I'll I'll talk from kind of from our perspective. Yeah. being a medium medium sized studio, not a huge studio. Um, so I'd say that we're, we, we're, we're a generalist kind of studio. Um, we like people to be able to do quite a broad skill set. Okay. Uh, and I think that's actually becoming more and more powerful across the industry because 
you know, being yeah. realist, budgets are coming down, um, time scales are coming down, the quality is needs to go up. So kind of the solution for that is to have more people that can do more things and le less specialists. So um, that's kind of what we look for, really. So someone that, say, if you were a modeler, we'd look for you to do obviously textures uh, and but also kind of shaders as well. So you know, you could actually get your model to a to a fairly decent part, you know, part where you could almost actually go into a cinematic. You know, the, the lighting artist and the specific shading artist may go and tweak things afterwards, but we'd, we'd expect someone to come into our studio to be able to actually uh, sculpt texture and do shaders. Um, right. For, wow. For instance, for DMP, you know, we can't really, you know, we we have DMPs that you know, your concept art, you'll do the two D DM uh, map painting and also the three D DMP side of it. So that's kind of the broad skill set that we're looking for. Um, and that's kind of across the board, really. Like our lighters can texture, can do groom, um, can, you know, obviously do shader work. So, you know, we look for someone to, to do like maybe one step either side of their specialism within the pipeline. Yeah. Um, and I think, I think it, it, you know, in the future of the way things are going, that, that, that's actually going to be more prevalent in, in other studios as well. Yeah, interesting. So, um, and in your case, guys, like who uh, normally takes like hiring decisions? You know, when uh, uh, when you need to onboard new artists, is it um, like do you get like um, I don't know, like uh, let's say a panel? <laughs> uh, we, you know, we barely have that luxury because we're always so busy. <laughs> yeah, that's um, what I'm thinking. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it falls. The, the, there's a, there's a there's a key few people really. So there's the head of production. Um, we, um, I direct, and there's another director in the studio as well. The two in-house directors. So it's normally kind of one of us, us three, really. Um, obviously, we've got a full-time recruitment um, employee as well who sources the talent. Um, we'll we'll do the first stage of screening before it gets to us, uh, and then he'll present us with with options. Yeah. Um, and then we, we'll kind of look through those options and, and, and pick the best one or tell them to go back and find some more. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, <laughs> uh, one, one of the two. Um, yeah, so that, that's kind of the normal process. Right. Okay. And uh, what are you, but specifically, you know, like when you are looking for uh, or at the portfolios or when you're looking at new artists, um, what, what are the things that you are looking for so for a person to stand out, like just for you personally. Yeah, um, <clears throat> it's a difficult one that because you know, a lot of the time when we're looking for people, it's it's project specific. Okay. You know, so we're kind of like I said before. You know, if if we're looking for um, someone to come in and help out on a, in, in a generalist way, we'll you know yeah. we'll, we'll look at um, we'll look at someone that's got a bit of effects work, hopefully a bit of modeling, a bit of shader work. Um, some, someone, or maybe someone that's actually done their own personal projects and you can actually look at it and see this person's done even the camera work, you know, for, for, from, from beginning to end. That, that's the ideal candidate where you can see they've got an actual true generalist mentality where they can actually, if you wanted to, you could give them a project on their own and they could do it because they, they could fit into the pipeline anywhere really and help out in a lot of different areas. Um, when it comes to kind of concept art, um, I've got the kind of same the same ethos that I, I I'm all for the new the new phase of concept artists that can actually produce a little bit three D as well. Okay. Because because I'm always concerned about pipeline and, and production, and for me personally, if someone can do a three D block out, paint over it, and that three D block out has got the right proportions, it's it's 
assembled in, in the correct scale, which we always kind of check before you start doing things, then I can actually give that to the previous team and we can actually start using that for animatics and start using that for pre-visualization as well. So I'm always kind of thinking two steps ahead in terms of the concept and design department as well. So that's really yeah. interesting. Yeah, yeah. I think you've I think you've always got you've got to do that. You've always got to kind of think about how they could fit into a bigger a bigger process. Um, right. And anyone that can that can help out either side of the specialism is is beneficial to us. Yeah. So now that you mentioned, you know, like a pipeline and people and uh, and everything in between. So what do you consider like your biggest challenge like at this point? I think it's just the ever increasing quality. You know, right. it, it, it's like you. Sometimes you think you'd love to go into work, and then you just all you've got to do is just I don't know, put a label on a a tin of beans, you know, and it's never going to change. The tin of beans are going to stay the same every day. It's like this is just yeah, I can just do, I can just do. It. But every day we come to the studio, somebody has just brought a new trailer out that's better than the last one. You know, the quality is better. You know, the art the artwork's got got better. It's got more content in it. Um, you know, so it's like every day you come in and, and, and our industry is, is just constantly evolving. Like you said, new software all the time. Do you every feel day. this pressure? Yeah, of course. Of course. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I kind of thrive off it at the same time because that's why I love what we do because I don't want to, you know, I, you know, I was joking before about the tin of beans thing, but I don't really want to be that guy <laughs> stood on account of doing that. But, you well, know, so you've got to decide. Do you want to tin of beans or not? Yeah. But there are certain days where you think, like, like you said, you'll get up and you'll, 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 you'll log in and you go, oh, all right, cool, a new piece of software. That looks awesome. Oh, I'm going to have to learn this now. You know, and you've got that kind of thing. I'm gonna, you know, the, you, there's constant changes and constant evolutions in, in what's going on, and it's amazing. Um, but it, but it, is, it is never ending in what we do. Even AI, you know, all, all, all of this kind of stuff that's starting to evolve now is, is yeah, it, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a constant... Um, I say battle. It's not battle's not the right word, but you know it, it, you're constantly chasing the next thing uh, and keeping up with all all, all of these talented guys. Yeah, that, that definitely is. So I mean, it sounds like it's uh, the most challenging, but at the same time, kind of almost most exciting. Yeah, I mean, for me personally, I I thrive off 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 that challenge, and 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 kind of even what we do in in cinematics, like. We have to create everything from scratch, you know, every blade of grass, the hair on the characters, the eyeballs, the teeth, the tongue, you know, all these things that you don't think about, you know, it doesn't exist. Like a client will come to us with a, with a brief, uh, you know, you've got a character running through this environment and they're, they're fighting away with the sword and they're going to turn around and give an expression. You have to make all of that, you know, it's like you have, you have to go through the mocap process, you have to go through the animation process, the rigging, making sure that the the model and the rig work to work well together to give you the performance that you need. You know, is it, does the texture of the teeth work? You know, does the texture of the lips look good enough? You know, the, the, there's three hairs on his chin that don't quite look right. You know, just think about the millions and millions of decisions that we have to make on every single cinematic pro project that we do, because you know, it's not like we're, we're filming people, you know, you've got a live action plate to work with every single thing on screen is created from scratch. You know, yeah. so it, it's like the most difficult thing that you can do. Um, but it's amazing, you know. We lo we love doing it, um, and like you said before about the fidelity thing, that's why we we love it because we can get to that level of of literally kind of looking at pores and looking at eyelashes and looking at intricacies of performance. Um, so it, it, it's pleasure pain, I'll say. <laughs> yeah, well, I can see that, and you know, just uh, uh, on the on the final note, I was really curious, what's the 
technology, what's your relationship with uh, technology? You mentioned AI. So is it more like scared of AI that it's going to come into jobs? <laughs> <laughs> Or it's more like finally relying on AI to take less decisions during the day? <laughs> like, help me understand. Yeah, I think, I think it's very exciting. Um, it's very scary, I think, for a lot of people that, you know, Rotoscope and um, there, are, there are whole swathes of the industry that, that AI could possibly take over the remedial tasks. It's not remedial, but, you know, task, repetitive tasks yeah. that, that take a lot, a lot of people to do, um, which will obviously save a lot of money and speed things up, but it may kind of do away with a lot of, a lot of jobs potentially. Um, but, the, but there are, are so many exciting applications for it as well. Um, you know, the face replacement thing that's kind of out there at the moment, we, we joked recently about all the pain and effort we put into, into these Game of Thrones characters. And it's like, okay, so now there's AI, we could have done it with a button, you know, <laughs> with a button press, you know, went through all that pain. Um, and it could have been done uh, in a totally different way now. But I think you need to embrace technology. There's, there's no other way around it. It's embrace it, um, you know, pick what part of it is good for you, for your studio and for your pipeline. Um, and then take advantage of it. Because if, if it frees two people up to do something else, then that can make your product even better. You know, yeah. rather than rotoscoping that character, those people can be doing something else to improve, improve the quality. Yeah, definitely. Wow, Stu, that's been really productive. Uh, but before I let you go, we've got like a little tradition here on the podcast. I've got a questionnaire of like 10 questions. And uh, you've got about, I don't know, a few words up to a sentence to yeah. reply each sentence, to reply okay. each question. Um, ready when you are. Cool. Yeah, let's go. Uh, I can't, can't see anything. <laughs> okay, I'm going to just put you through the questionnaire and right. uh, yeah, we'll see what you come up with. Right. So um, what's your number one tip for combating distractions when working from home? Combined. <laughs> Get the kids out of the house. <laughs> <laughs> I'm signing up for this one as well. Yes. Um, what's your favorite tradition or holiday? Oh, uh, Christmas, definitely. What's your favorite way to get in some exercise? Uh, luckily, I've got a gym uh, at home. So I've been very fortunate to uh, keep working out all the way through. Amazing. What's your most used emoji? <sighs> winky face, definitely. Cheeky winky. Okay, Chicky Winky. What's your source of inspiration? Uh, anything that's good. All right. Uh, what's the best piece of advice you've ever been given? Um, be humble. Um, how do you celebrate little victories? Um, very quietly, knowing that there's probably going to be um, a little failure coming just after it. Oh, my God. <laughs> that's no. how I stay humble. No, please. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, if you could see one movie again for the first time, which one would that be? Oh, The Matrix. Right. Blew my mind. Of course. Yeah. Um, if you could choose any two famous people to have dinner with, who would you invite? Oh, that's a really good question. They can be dead. I mean, they don't have to be. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I choose my favorite director, Jonathan Glazer. Okay. Um, don't know about him. And probably my favorite artist. Mm, yeah, I'll go for Ashley Wood. He's probably my favorite artist, I'd say. Okay, cool. And finally, oh, what's your backup career? Uh, chef. All right, man, that's amazing. 
<laughs> okay, cool. You're a dance dude. Thanks so much. Cool. Really, really appreciate it. That was, that was really, really cool. And, uh, you know, I hope you're not too exhausted after this. Oh, it's fine. No, don't worry. I've got, I've got about 50 other, 50 messages on my other screen of people trying to, uh, trying to help me. So yeah, I'm sure so. I'm sure so. Well, all right, Stu, thanks again so much for coming and uh, well, uh, we'll stay in touch. Been a pleasure. Thank you very much. All right, cheers. Bye. Thanks for listening all the way until the end, guys. And just a reminder, as you're listening to this podcast, we are now in the challenge week for the Monster Challenge 2020. We've got a lot of prizes and uh, we've got really cool content that is absolutely free, a bunch of tutorials that we're releasing on daily basis. And uh, there is still a chance for you to participate, submit your a monster and uh, probably win something. So I'm leaving a link about the monster challenge just here under this video. Or if you're listening to this podcast, there is the same link in the show notes of this episode on Art Heroes website. So I'm really looking forward to having you as a participant of the challenge and I'll see you next week. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Art Heroes Podcast. Check out www.artheroes.co for show notes, more interviews, and free tools made for you by our team of mentors. Tune in next week for more inspiration, and keep up the great work, hero! Thank you.